to this, what is commonly known as the week of passion, passion of Christ. Moving toward Friday, which is the traditional date of Christ's death, although I have serious problems with that. I have different mathematics. I couldn't get, I've never been able to figure out the three days and three nights in the tomb yeah, yeah. of being crucified on Friday. Uh, somebody's got some different math than what I've got. So <laughs> it must have happened on Thursday, but uh, <clears throat> we somehow are locked into uh, tradition. And uh, <clears throat> I can say one thing for sure that it really doesn't matter what day we celebrate what. Jesus said that we were to remember his death until he come. All right? Amen. Not his birth, but his death. Amen? Amen. Let us never forget that. And um, it is uh, it's a beautiful thing to remember the death of our Lord. Yeah. I'm going to be speaking to you this morning regarding the passion of Christ. And uh, I told the Camarina just a moment ago, I said, I hope I can do what God has put into my heart justice this morning in speaking to you. I have prayed very intensely and sincerely that God will move in your hearts and implant some things in your heart in a way that they've never been implanted before. Because we sincerely need to remember the Lord's death until he come. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's stand together. Let's pray together this yes. morning. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> we're getting started a bit late. Can I go just yes, a little bit early? Yes. Sir. Thank you, brother. Uh, yes, sir. I'm telling pastor that we had a meeting at our house on Friday evening. Four former retired missionary couples, all of them 65 or older, my wife and I, I guess the oldest at 78, and others in between, a retired missionary man who was 89. I didn't even know about him until this past week. We got him to come and join our group. <clears throat> we meet about once a month, and it's just been a great time of fellowship for people who have shared the same passion for the evangelization of the world yes. that we have shared. And this elderly gentleman served in Japan in the early 1950s. I was just blown away and uh, just kind of hidden away there in this stuff, but did a work for God way, way, way back then. All right, 60 years ago, nearly, I guess, okay? But uh, God is so wonderful to us to have provided for us this marvelous and glorious salvation. Yes. Uh, I am not going to ask you to forgive me. I'm just going to ask you to understand me this morning. I know that this is Easter Sunday. We're supposed to be happy and rejoicing and thanking God for the resurrection, and I do. But the one thing I want us to remember, the resurrection would have never happened if there had not been the death. Right, that's right. And Jesus said to remember his death until he comes. Praise God. 
Lord, today we are very... God, I thank you for your spirit, Lord, that's in this place. Very exciting, God, Lord. I thank you, God, your word for again. another opportunity to come into this place and to share with to lift up people, our voices Lord, and our hearts those to things that you together, have put God. in my heart, oh God. God, I pray in God Bless that you us would today have your that way we in may be house. indeed blessed. God, I pray you would anoint Brother with Walmer, Lord. Let him be anointed by God. And understand of your fruit, Lord, that we may be truly saved for all eternity. God, have your way in this place. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Beginning my Bible list this morning with a question, who is this Jesus whose death, burial, and resurrection we celebrate today. Last year, soon after the Easter season, a question was posed to me, why did God have to die? This person, uh, I was aghast at some of the question. This person, supposedly a strong believer in the oneness of God, certainly did not understand the incarnation or the oneness of God. More recently, just this week, Someone wrote that the world was three days without God while Jesus awaited the resurrection. I, I, I'm amazed that after 2,000 years of the gospel being preached and the Bible being available to so many, that there is still so much ignorance that exists in our world with regard to the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I do not pretend this morning to give you a complete and full understanding of the person of Jesus Christ. But I do hope that we can gain enough insight today through some of the things that I'm going to be mentioning that we will never be uh, guilty of posing such, can I say, ignorant questions <laughs> and making such ignorant statements. We must understand who God is. Considering this very gross error in thinking, we must return to our study on the attributes of God, and I hope that you remember those things. Number one, God is spirit, and as such, he cannot die. As spirit, he is eternal and not subject to death. Therefore, God did not die. The scriptures clearly teach that there is but one God, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 6. When John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching him, he cried out and declared by divine revelation, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You know, I, I wish that God would allow me to just, just step into... John the Baptist sandals for just a couple of minutes while he beheld Jesus approaching and to feel what John felt as he made this tremendous declaration of truth. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. John 1 29. I'm rushing along Sister Jeannie you're going to have to keep up okay? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And again, in verse number 36 of John 1, he said, And looking upon Jesus a second time as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. 
John spoke out of his knowledge, out of a clear mind of the sacrifices of the period of the Old Testament. John saw this bodily form as being the sacrificial lamb of God that would be offered for the sins of the whole world from the beginning of time until the end of time. That is what John saw and beheld in Jesus. Amen? He saw that a new day was dawning. There would no longer be the um, sacrifices of physical animal lambs and doves and all other types of things as was ordained in the Old (coughs) Testament under the law. But a new day was coming and this man that John saw walking toward him was the one that was to be offered at once and for all as the sacrificial lamb whose blood would be shed for the purification of all sin from all time to all that would embrace the Lord Jesus Christ and accept his sacrifice and believe in him as the scriptures teach us. We read now from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 18 through 20 all and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Pay careful attention, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, that committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Anyone who lives in their sin, who lives disobeying the laws and the commandments of God, is alienated from God and needs to be reconciled to God. And this God did by preparing for himself a body in which he would reside among men. We call that the incarnation. Amen? Amen. Why did Jesus come? The Bible declares to us in John 10 and 10 that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. These things have spoken so deeply to my heart this week. Jesus came to give his life, but not just any life. He came to give us abundant life that can only be known as we surrender our lives to him. And what a beautiful hymn we were hearing just before service. I surrender all. My friend, I don't know your walk with God. I do not know how you walk with him. But I want to encourage you today to surrender your life completely and entirely to him because it will be the most abundant life that you will ever, ever live. Amen? Amen. Praise God. We again ask the question, and I'm sorry that I don't have the reference here, Sister Gina, that slipped by me. But he said, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came not to be the king of a kingdom, 
not to be the supreme ruler, but he came to die. That was his purpose from the very beginning. Gethsemane and the battle there between his flesh and the spirit did not come suddenly upon him. It was something that he knew from the very beginning. He knew that this day would arrive when he would be called upon to sacrifice himself in behalf of all mankind. Right. Amen. God demanded a blood sacrifice from a totally holy human being. This person was not available among men. Yeah. As there is none righteous, no, not one. So it says in Romans 3 and 10. And in verse 23 of the same chapter, it says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one has measured up to what God wants of us. And so God made a body for himself. He overshadowed Mary and she conceived by the Holy Ghost, by the power of God, in her physical, fleshly womb, the beginning of a new creature that would be God manifest in the flesh. Do we understand that? I hope you do. Yes. It may be a little dis- difficult to get a hold of. But just as your children, Josh and Monica, are the combination of you two, so Jesus Christ, when he came, was the product of his mother Mary, and his heavenly Father. Amen? Praise God. Therefore, he was God manifest in the flesh. Amen? Praise God. So God made a body for himself in which he manifest himself to the world. It was born of woman. It had all of the characteristics of a human being. It suffered pain. It uh, knew hunger. It knew thirst. It knew temptation, although never surrendered to temptation. However, it was fathered divinely, and therefore it was in reality God manifest in the flesh. Imagine God among us, God among them. But the scriptures say in John that he came unto his own, talking of God. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. They didn't recognize him for who he really was. And how sad it was because many of them died in their sins and their ignorance and the rejection of Christ because they were unwilling to recognize him for who he really was. When Jesus died, God did not die. Did you hear me? I said, when Jesus died, God did not die. What died was the fleshly tabernacle in which God had dwelt for 33 and a half years. When that fleshly, earthly tabernacle perceived that the divine part had departed, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Suddenly, for the first time in his 33 and a half years of life, he felt alone. He felt what any human being would feel, abandoned by God, alone, and suffering and dying. The Almighty had to depart. Why? 
For he in absolute holiness could not stand to look upon the sin that had been laid upon this man, Christ Jesus. And I can tell you today of a truth that that laying on him the sins of the whole world was the most abhorrent thing that he had ever experienced at all in his existence. To be burdened down with the sin of all mankind, of every evil work, of every evil thought, of every evil intention. He was burdened with all of that and he took it to the cross and he died and he shed his blood that all could find forgiveness in him. Hallelujah. Amen. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus, the man, died as the accepted sacrifice for our sins so that we would not have to suffer the penalty of our sins from which we could never return, entering, therefore, into an eternal state of punishment for our own sins. Sin requires death. Right. That's what Jesus. That's what God told the the first human beings, Adam and Eve. He said, if they partook of that prohibited fruit, that they would die, and it meant a death in two meanings. It meant a physical death, and it also meant a spiritual death. And they suffered that because of their sin of disobedience. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So Jesus died in your place and my place. Do we understand that? Right now. Do we understand that we owe him so much? So very, very much. And so the words of an old course come to mind that say, He's done so much for me. Amen. I cannot tell it all. Amen. He's done so much for me. It's a repetition of the same words over and over again in that course that seems to be perhaps a little monotonous. But we must repeat that. We must remember what all he has done for us that we could not ever, any way, shape, or form do for ourselves. I do not wish to cast a pall of sadness over this beautiful Resurrection Sunday that has been celebrated for so many centuries, but perhaps we need to pause in all of the celebration to contemplate the suffering of Christ for us. We don't like to think about the suffering. We don't like to think about his death. We want to rejoice in his resurrection. And I do understand that in the resurrection is our hope. And we could go to the book of John chapter 14 verses 1 through 4. And it says that, um, quickly mind. Believe in me, believe also. Let not your heart be troubled. Amen. A blank moment, senior moment. Let not your heart be troubled. We are to believe in God. 
that trusts in God. And Jesus goes on to say, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that. I would have told you that your faith is in vain. But I go to prepare a place for you. Where was he going? You're cheating, Linda. (laughs) I have posed that question many times over the years of my ministry, and I always get the same answer. He was going to heaven. No, he was going to the cross. It was at the cross that he prepared a place for us. Amen? At the cross, with his hands nailed to that cross arm, with nails piercing his feet to the upright, with blood flowing from the wound on his head and from the wound in his hands and his feet, it was there that he prepared a place for you, Didi, and for you, Gene, and for you, uh, uh, Noah. And for you, Josh. And for you, Nancy. Every one of us on the cross. Yes. I want somehow today to, and I'm not one of those very prolific people to paint word pictures, but if you can in your mind this morning, I want you to behold Jesus with outstretched arms. Nails. You know, not the smooth, round nails that we know. But nails made by a blacksmith, hammered out on the anvil from red-hot metal. Square, probably. Driven through his hand. They weren't pointed nails. They had a blunt end on them. Driven through his hands and through his feet. As that cross laid on the ground. And then it was raised up by strong soldiers and dropped into the hole. And his flesh was torn and it bled even more. For us, for me. I want want us this morning to get a picture of that in our mind. Because if we can visualize this in our mind and we can record this image on our very innermost being, a tremendous gratitude will fill our hearts for what God did for us. A gratitude will fill us for what is capable only through Jesus Christ. It is so easy to become involved with all of the festivities around this date while forgetting the true significance of what transpired nearly 2,000 years ago. This morning in Brazil, probably all of the children, if not the vast majority of them, Receive some kind of a present of chocolate. It's just traditional. I don't know where that came from. Where did the tradition of Israelites come from? Where did the tradition of rabbits come from? Where, what are what all these traditions? You know, I, I, the older I get, the more repugnance I feel 
toward these things that are mere human institutions that do nothing to strengthen my faith. And I just must reject those things and, and remember what Jesus did for me. I must remember his shed blood. As I prayed one morning this week, I was led by the Spirit to visualize the crown of thorns that was placed with such force on his head that the thorn penetrated his scalp, releasing multiple sources from which blood began to flow down his head and face and drip onto his garments. My wife will be able to recall very vividly what I'm going to mention at this time, but there was a plant in Brazil called the Coroa de Cristo, the crown of Christ. I have never seen any type of vegetation in my life that had more thorns than that piece of vegetation. So many thorns and growing so irregularly that it is often used as a barrier in the fronts of homes to impede the entrance of those that would do harm to the residents in the home. And I, I, I've remembered that. You can't work with that plant without thick leather gloves because it is so filled with thorns. I can imagine a crown of thorns being plated with that particular plant and being placed with force on the head of Jesus. And blood begins to flow down his head and his neck and his face and drip on his garments. It was a form of mockery. Hail, King of the Jews! Oh, they did not know what they were saying. And so I remembered that crown of thorns and the very thorny plant from our beloved nation of Brazil. I was also led by the Spirit to recall my previous studies regarding the stripes that Jesus received. That whip was composed of three plated, uh, what can I say, braided uh, leather thongs, three of them. And into those was placed glass or rocks or whatever it is that would cut. And it would be applied to the back of the person that was being punished. It was one of the most severe forms of punishment that was known to them at that time. And the soldier who was in charge of bringing that whip down was instructed to bring it down with force. And it would cut the flesh, open wounds. It was not one time, but it was 13 <coughs> times. It would be lashed on his back with all of its power and force uh, and with all of those instruments of cutting and it would open the back down to the down to the ribs and probably into the spinal area of the back wow. causing severe bleeding and the flesh would be torn and ripped from its uh, uh, from the body it would be a mass of bleeding flesh this Jesus suffered now the law that was in um, 
place at that time said that anyone who was whipped in that way would not have to suffer any other type of punishment. But Jesus was taken from there to the cross where he was crucified. His was a double suffering, a double pain, and a horrible, horrible thing. But it was all for us. And the Bible says that by his stripes we are healed. Again this morning I want you to catch a glimpse of, 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 of that bleeding back. Of the blood running down and soaking his garments. There is no wonder that he collapsed on the way to Golgotha. There is no wonder that there was no strength left in his body because so much blood had been lost uh, through this first, uh, uh, these first uh, uh, forms of punishment. Lastly, he was nailed to the cross, and I have mentioned the rough nails made crudely by a blacksmith. The nails would have been driven through both his hands and feet, which would support the entire weight of his body. And as I already mentioned, probably as it was dropped into the hole prepared for it, the flesh would be torn even more. Crucified he was, like a common criminal. Excuse me. Crucified. Yes, crucified between two common thieves. One repented and received divine forgiveness. And how I rejoice when I think of that one that said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. But the other, mocking, ridiculing, sealed his fate forever. To be lost forever. Because he would not accept the sacrifice that was being made for him. That very day. There on the cross. Suffering the same fate. One repented. And another rejected. And these two will forever represent to me the attitudes of men and women. Some will accept the sacrifice of Christ to be forever forgiven and truly saved. Others, unfortunately, the vast majority, beyond, and in reality, beyond the scope of that which law, uh, excuse me, vast majority will reject Christ's offer of eternal salvation to live a life far from that which brings brings release from sin and true salvation. I think of the things that I read, of the mockery that we read in our newspapers, that we read perhaps on the internet by people who do not believe. My God, I would not want to be in their place anytime. Because they will be judged for their unbelief. To contemplate all of the physical sufferings of Christ, the inhuman treatment, 
more than was common. The whipping plus the crucifixion, all beyond the scope of which the <coughs> law permitted. For no man could be both scourged and crucified. After contemplating all of that, my mind was then taken by the Spirit to contemplate another scene that may have been the deepest of all of the pain that Jesus suffered. For among the multitude that stood in the public square before Pilate's judgment hall, without doubt there were present in this large crowd some who have been healed by the Lord, of blindness, of deafness, of leprosy, of lameness, and so many other diseases. It is highly likely that some who had eaten uh, of the multiplied loaves and fishes uh, were also there. Undoubtedly, there were also present some who had lived bound by evil spirits for multiple <coughs> years from which Jesus uh, had delivered them from the destroyers of their bodies and their souls. However, all of these had one thing in common. Coerced by the jealous religious leaders, they all cried out, Crucify him! Yeah. Crucify him! This man has no right to live! How could there be such a, a level of unthankfulness, a lack of gratitude, lives devoid of any semblance of, of gratitude to him who had supplied their many, many needs? crying out to, for him to be crucified. Hold that criticism. Hold that criticism of those people. Is it really any different with us? Could an indifference about spiritual matters on our part condemn him to another crucifixion? Does a lack of sincere, devoted prayers tell him that he is of little importance to us? That there is no need to talk to him? That he can perish out of our lives and never be missed? Could a lack of genuine attention to spiritual matters say again, Crucify the Son of God afresh. Hebrews 6.6 6. And so my mind goes back again to another old song. What the world needs is Jesus. Just a glimpse of him. In his suffering, with his bleeding, torn back, with the nails through his hands. And the resurrection did not heal those wounds. For Jesus said to unbelieving Thomas, See my hands? There's the prince of the nails. See my feet? There's the prince of the nails. Here, put your hand into the wound in my side that you may believe. And then an even greater, greater promise is given to you and to me and to all of us. It said, And blessed be all of those who having not seen, believe. Right. Amen. I'm not asking you for any kind of a physical sign of belief today. 
Because a physical sign is of little importance. But what is really important is what God knows is in your heart. Do you believe or not? Yes, what the world needs is Jesus. Just a glimpse of him. Does the world see in us, in me and you, an undeniable love for the Savior? And not just at, e not just at Easter and other special occasions. I know today is, a, is to be a day of rejoicing, a day of hope, of rejoicing over the, uh, over the victory over death. But today would never have been if there had not been suffering, death, and the crucifixion of our Savior that purchased our redemption and salvation. It was not His resurrection that purchased that. It was His death that purchased that. Let us never forget that fact. His death. I know that under normal circumstances, my time would at this moment be over. And I'm asking Sister Jean to put on the screen for you this morning the passage from Isaiah chapter 53. I am confident as confident can be that in reality Isaiah had no idea what he was writing. He had no idea what this prophecy would mean. But we read it today from the aspect of it being, of it having transpired 2,000 years ago. And I hope that the reading of this passage today, and perhaps a reading periodically of this passage, will help you to have always in your heart of hearts a great appreciation for the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. And the chapter begins with a question. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall go up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form or comeliness. He hath no... Uh, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of sorrows, the scriptures say, and acquainted with grief, again the scriptures say. And we hid as it were our faces from him. We don't like that picture of our Jesus, a man of sorrows and a man of grief. He was despised and we esteemed him not. <clears throat> Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Will you say with me this morning, Jesus was wounded for my transgressions. Jesus was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his strength we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. 
He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And he was the lamb of God. Okay? And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And as shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So we sit here this morning justified. Because Jesus bore our sins to Calvary. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul into death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. I hope today that you can feel just a little bit of what I have felt this week in my prayers. I take your minds for a couple of minutes this morning to an old hymn titled, Lead Me to Calvary. King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be, lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow. Lead me to Calvary. Show me the tomb where thou wast laid, tenderly mourned and wept. Angels in robes of light arrayed guarded thee whilst thou slept. Let me like Mary through the gloom come with a gift to thee. Show to me now the empty tomb. Lead me to Calvary. May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for thee. Even thy cup of grief to share. Thou hast borne all for me. Lest I forget, this is the chord, lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget thine agony. Lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Let me kneel there beside Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Martha, and Peter, and James, and John, and all of the others. Let me kneel there beside them. 
My friend, this morning, in the midst of all of the rather gloom things that I have said, came to my mind another rather old hymn, not as old as that one, but nevertheless from a few years back. God sent his son, they called him Jesus, he came to love, heal and forgive, he lived and died to buy my pardon, an empty grave is there to prove. My Savior lives, and because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone, because I know He holds the future. And life is worth a living just because he lives. How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives, but greater still. The calm assurance the child can face uncertain days because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future And life is worth a living Just because He lives And then one day I'll cross that river I'll fight life's final war with pain And as in death gives way to victory I'll see the lights of glory And I'll know He reigns Because He I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just. Because he lives, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone.
rejoice in the Lord again this morning. Standing in reverence in the presence of God. Standing with open hearts to Him. And I hope those open hearts are filled with gratitude and praise and thankfulness. Oh Lord, I thank you today for your sacrifice. Lord Jesus coming, dying, shedding your blood, suffering so many things, oh God. That we can today enjoy this wonderful salvation. So that we today can have this living hope, oh God. Living hope within us. That when death comes and we depart this life, we shall truly be absent from the flesh and present with the Lord. Hallelujah. Because we embrace your salvation. We embrace, oh God. Hey.